And this is Stage of Fools. The unofficial Royals podcast. Today we'll be discussing season four. And there was uh, no summary that our listeners just heard. Yeah, because now our winter discontent is over. <laughs> Make way for glorious summer. And summer is here. We're, we're, all, we're roasting alive as we record this. <laughs> August came in May, um, but we're fighting off a heat stroke so we can deliver the Royals content that our listeners crave and need and want. Uh, but we're not the only people <laughs> with sun-related issue. I mean, the sun has returned. The warmth has returned now that the Royals has gone away, as <laughs> is the tradition. But we're not the only one dealing with sun-related issues we have with us. Um, our stalwart producer... Darren Husted. Yep. Hello, again. Hi, thanks for recording with us. Uh, just to give some context to Zach's comment about not being the only one with sun-related problems, Darren is valiantly squinting into the sun as he records with us from a different time zone. Yes, the weather has suddenly gone very, very nice, which is, you know, earlier in the week it was literally pouring down with rain. And then for today, which as we record over here is a bank holiday, which are notorious for uh, inviting terrible weather. Uh, the joke is always, it's a bank holiday, therefore it's going to rain. Um, but fortunately, it has not rained today, so... Thank you for that anecdote. That just proved that you're a real British person, in case anyone was wondering about it. Thought we brought in some sort of ringer, an actor, doing an accent. Wow. No, folks, you can't fake knowledge like that. Every sunny day, however, does require a cloud, and so we are here <laughs> talking about the Royal Season 4, um, which... Uh, I mean, we'll we'll deliver our overall opinions of it, I think, more towards the end of the podcast. But uh, we're going to discuss the story arcs, the character arcs, uh, what we liked, what we didn't, highs and lows and ups and downs. Uh, Where do you guys think we should start in this, our wrap up for season four? But let me say, actually, before we begin, uh, as I said last episode, I want to reiterate this after this episode. We will do at least one more episode of Stage of Fools. Um, if the series is canceled, we will do a series wrap-up episode, and then that'll be it. The podcast will be over because there'll be nothing left for us to cover <laughs> unless we decide we want to watch the entire thing again. And then Zach and I's souls will turn into sea foam and will melt away. Um, but if it is renewed for a fifth season, then uh, we will come back. In 2026, when season five finally airs. (laughs) And we'll just keep pushing that boulder up that hill again. Yeah. So that is the state of the podcast before we get going on our season four retrospective. Well, I think I know uh, where we should start. It definitely dominated our discussion of season three, and I'm sure our season three wrap up too. Uh... A big part of season four, for better or for worse, was Robert's ascent to becoming a monarch slash dictator. Yeah. Genuine monarch, non-figurehead monarch. <laughs> um, so what do you guys think about this storyline in particular? Did you feel like it fleshed things out from season three? Was there something you were waiting for that never came what do you think? Was there anything that you would change or add to it? This storyline, while it is the main dramatic thrust of season four, was at times so absolutely bonkers and insane and out of touch with the real world. But I have to confess, oftentimes it was in a way that I found to be 
some of the most enjoyable aspects of the show. The fact that apparently it's so fucking easy for a figurehead monarch to just become the dictator of a country. <laughs> um, the fact that what I didn't find as fun was uh, that the show didn't seem to know how bad Robert should be. And also, it, I while I could hold my suspension of disbelief for he can just cause a blackout and then grab power... It was harder for me to accept that literally no one cared that Parliament had been dissolved. Yeah, I think I think the thing is in the in, in the earlier episodes of the season, it seemed unclear as to uh, before the you know before Robert seized power, it seemed unclear as to what the season was going to be about. Like when he returned the previous like last year, it was clear that the the season was about him returning and claiming the throne. And obviously, you know, they had the whole thing with the, the, the council and, you know, all the all the different members spoke about how much they love Robert and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it was about, like, the fact that, that, you know, Robert had returned and he was the rightful heir. And it was about getting Cyrus off the throne. But then once he's on the throne, it's like, well, what is he going to do while he's there? <laughs> and for the first, like, four or five episodes of the season, uh, well, no, the first four, I think it was, because it was the end of the fourth episode that Blackout happened. It was kind of unclear as to what was going on with any of the characters. It was really meandering, yeah. Yeah, and then once Robert kind of took control, you're right, it was kind of crazy that literally no one seemed to be that bothered that he'd done this. Like, that was the first crazy thing. But then the the, the I think the rest of the season at least then had a focus for the other characters. Still, Robert did very little other than decide to get married like that was literally the only thing that happened after he'd seized power like he yeah. seized power and then did nothing with that power and it was it was it was kind of weird but at least it seemed like once he seized power the the season had a bit more of a focus as to what the the whole season was going to be about there was a few um, shadowy cabals uh that he invited over to the palace to discuss his plans but the specifics of what his plans are except make South London great again are super <laughs> unclear. Yeah, I feel like, yet again, the show has undercut itself in this respect by not letting some of its most compelling characters be a part of the political plot, by which I mean not letting any female characters have any political feelings about anything. I think we all would have felt like there were more stakes to this story if, like, Helena, especially Eleanor, Willow, if those characters had had strong reactions to Robert's seizing of power, for better or for worse. I think if any character had a strong... The only one who had a particularly strong reaction to Robert seizing power, honestly, like, Liam kind of on the side, but mainly it was Cyrus who was jealous he had not done it. Yeah, he's like, (laughs) I would have been the best fascist ever, but I never had the chance. Yeah. But nobody else, like, was... Like most, of the, even the people who have beef with Robert at the end of the season, for the most part, none or almost none of them have a problem with the fact that he's consolidated power and dissolved parliament. It's much more like personal slights. Yeah, like plagiarism. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, on the face of it, this plot line about like a morally ambiguous son who then turns out indeed to be evil who was always like the favorite of the family and has a fall from grace to the point where his own mother is spying on him and thinks he might have murdered her husband all of that in another show sounds like a very interesting plot line but because the show has 
gone back and forth so wildly with the characterization of Helena. By the time we find out that she doesn't trust Robert, I don't even know what the emotional stakes are. You know, like she's supposed, she was supposed to be so close to him and he was like her protege of manipulation. But then there's such a long gap where those characters have anything significant to do with each other that by the time she turns around in the desk chair and she's there and it's supposed to be a huge reveal, it has no impact whatsoever. And I think the weirdest thing is, if you remember how, you know, season three finished, which was with Robert basically carrying out a series of like evil acts one after the other in quick succession to everybody who opposed him. And then the show kind of ended with him stepping out onto the balcony and waving and being happy. Like that set up the idea that, oh, yeah, definitely Robert is evil. But then within the first few episodes of this season, it was like, oh, well, you know, that guy was going to leak some stuff about you. And like this person was plotting against you. And, you know, oh, I misspoke. You, I didn't really say it like that. And like it, they walked so much of it back that it's like, so who is Robert meant to be? then? The biggest example of this, and I could not agree with you more, Darren. I think the biggest and best example of that is the fact that Robert did not conspire to have Jasper shot, even though the show was originally heavily signaling that he was. (laughs) It turned out to be Jasper's dad shot him, like, for the lulls. Robert was saying unrelated, ominous things. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that is such a weird thing to have Robert, like, literally sitting there doing a Mr. Burns impression. But then it turns out, oh, he just, you know, he's just trying to make the, you know, the nuclear plant safer. And And he's not really plotting to do anything evil. It's like... This seems like the wrong Mr. Burns that you've gone for. You should be going for the evil Mr. Burns who plots things, not yeah. the one who is literally committed to his day job. They they want to have it both ways. They want him to be evil and not evil so that he can do romantic stuff with Willow. Yeah, and as I say, they also like clear give an explanation for why he might have been making payments for to Ted Price that may have cleared him of the murder of his father, which is like Last season, and still this season, yes. they just don't know if they want to commit to this character being evil. And, like, the show would be better if they just did, I feel like. Yeah, think about how interesting the scene with Simon's ghost slash the hallucination of Simon, you pick, where his father, like, encourages him to seek love. That becomes a so much more nuanced thing if he indeed did conspire to have his father killed but i'm starting to feel like we might never know one way or another (laughs) i thought by the end of this season if you had asked me to guess at the beginning of this season i may have even said this on the season three wrap-up if i could guess one thing that would happen in season four i would have guessed that we would know one way or another whether or not robert conspired to kill simon yeah i would have guessed liam would have been on the throne by now like that seems like the end game is to have liam Like, they had the whole thing with him not, you know, the whole fake DNA thing. And then they had the whole reveal of, oh, it was fake. He really is the king's son. But that then got lost because Robert returned. And so it was like, well, why why is Liam not trying to stake a claim to the throne again? Like, publicly. He could do it publicly. He doesn't need to plot it. You well, know, they've also he, he, gone back or f- back and forth on whether or not the Henstridges want Liam to ascend or whether or not they want the monarchy to be abolished. Which that yeah. seems like the logical endpoint to me is, is no one ascending and them abolishing. Because they've talked about that in season one and they did, to their credit, bring it back this season and start talking about, OK, yeah, we're going to we're going to bring back this concept of abolishing the monarchy. I don't know. And the problem, one of the problems this had, aside from the fact that Robert's 
level of malevolence is all over the map and super inconsistent. It's impossible to tell how good or bad he is. Um, except, uh, even though he, as we said, essentially became a dictator, but the show itself does not treat that like a particularly big deal. Well, the problem is that the show wants to be a political thriller, but has no interest in politics. So all the characters, be they good or bad, and I'm putting heavy air quotes around that, have no political ideas or convictions. Like, yeah, what does it matter that Robert wants to seize the throne? We don't know a single fucking thing that he wants to do <laughs> besides repair some of the damage that he made. Like, okay, uh, the they want to abolish the monarchy. They only want to abolish it because they all have so many feelings about King Simon. It doesn't have anything to do with what they think people actually deserve. I mean, it's more frustrating because they they got rid of that that prime minister a couple of seasons ago and they introduced the idea of the prime minister. I mean, regardless of if it was played by, you know, the, the deputy prime minister or whoever it is, they had this idea of a political leader who is against the royal family. And they did that in season two as well, when they had the guy who was like the head of the anti-monarchist party and, you know, all the stuff with the oh, twins yeah. where they had the guy. And like, they set all that stuff up. But then this season would have been the perfect time to have someone say, I am the new prime minister. I'm opposed to this. And have them align themselves with someone from the royal family against Robert. Yeah, or to have anti-monarchists pop back up as a, like, protest movement and have that guy come to Cyrus like, Hey, we've met before because I used to <laughs> F one of your daughters, so yeah. now we're going to have a secret alliance. And and also, it's it's puzzling that at the end of season three, they had that flashback to the, the King Simon with the younger Robert saying to him, you're not going to be a good king. I don't want you to be king. I would rather get rid of the monarchy than have you ascend to the throne. Damien. Which sets, which sets up the idea that, oh, he is going to be a terrible king. But then he got to the throne and, you know, it's like, oh, so he caused a blackout for one night. And that's pretty much all he did this season. Well, it, to be fair, it made clear that many people died in that one night blackout. <laughs> And half the city, or rather specifically the city of South London, which is an entity unto itself, was destroyed. Connected to North Laid London by ways, one bridge, A singular of bridge, zombie <laughs> style. Um, yeah, I, I think the other thing, and this is a sin that this show has done on almost every season, I feel like. Not the first, because if we're being honest, the first season is different because... It was kind of a different show where every episode was self-contained. The political aspect didn't really rear its head until Other than Simon. The, they were still doing a Duke Hamlet arc at that point. Yeah. So it, it felt like a different show where each episode was kind of self-contained. Like, this is the one where they go have a party on an island. And this is this the one. This is the one where there's a car accident because yeah. someone was giving head from the, from the driver's yeah, seat. Yeah, it felt like a goofier show with less of the political stakes. But after that, once they tried to do a more overarching political storyline... The show tends to have half a season where almost nothing happens. Yeah. And then a couple episodes where a few things happen. And then the last one or two, they just cram in everything that they needed to finish that they should have been working to resolve the entire fucking season. 
And yeah. And they could help solve this problem by spreading this plot out a little bit, sharing the wealth instead of just investing this plot only in Robert, Liam and Cyrus. Let your entire ensemble cast have a piece of being a part of this. But again, Eleanor, the most compelling and sympathetic character, and the fan base will confirm that for me were you <laughs> to search the Royals tag on Tumblr is so regulated to the sidelines that she only turns on Robert because he plagiarized her boyfriend's love letter, which is an embarrassing sentence to say out loud. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the weirdest thing as well is like when you know, when Robert took over, Eleanor cheered him. Like she's yeah. watching the TV and she's like, way to go, Robbie. And it's like, no, that's like, that's, that's nothing like what that, that, what that character should be. Like she should, she should actually be concerned. Every time, every time there's a chance for a character to show the proper response to him consolidating power and stealing and destroying democracy in the UK, they, they fall hard. Like they completely fail. Like, right. Will, Eleanor, as you said, cheers it on Willow when she finds out isn't mad that he did it. She's mad that he didn't talk to her about doing it before he did it. That was like very frustrating because Willow was starting to seem like a sane slash competent character for a little while there, but she just tanked hard and became like an Ophelia. It was rough. It was a, it was painful to watch. I want to just talking a little bit more about characterizations and how, all over the place they could be. I really think the show, one of the show's biggest mistakes ever was not just letting Helena be evil or at least extremely manipulative and greedy the entire time. Like, giving her these constant injections of, oh no, she's actually a super nice lady, just takes away anything that could be interesting about her character or her significance to the story. If she had been, like more on the side of bad like Cyrus this entire time. Then by the time Robert seizes power, you have two interesting options. One, she's like his scheming mother who's helping him behind the scenes the whole time and supports him. Or two, she's been evil and scheming this whole time, but now she's getting cold feet because her son is even eviler. Like, these are things you could do that are a story, you know? And the show just drops it all on the floor. I think uh, that's something we can probably expand on a little. I think probably near the end, we'll have to devote, even though it may never happen, a small, a little bit of time to potential predictions for the fifth season of this show. And we might want to come around to, I mean, it's pretty clear to me in that last episode, somebody betrayed the plan. Like Lucius knew what the plan was and was there and kidnapped Catherine and... Who that was is unclear. That's true. Although I guess the Lucius connection definitely sort of points to Helena, points to Helena maybe more than bit. anyone else. Yeah. So either Robert knew or somebody betrayed the plan. But what do you think? I want to know what Darren thinks about my original thought was just that Robert came up to Willow and said, actually, we are going to have a parliament. Baby, please don't leave me. And then <laughs> so when she walked in to marry him, she didn't turn around and do her whole he's evil speech because she was persuaded over by him. You know, the the kind of plotting, like you said when you covered the, you know, the, the finale, like the plotting was, was kind of there throughout the show, but then obviously they did the Ocean's Eleven style recaps where they showed people winking at each other. 
and and kind of and kind of kind of set it up to say, look, see, they were all working together all along. And, you know, that only actually covered actions from like the previous episode. So it wasn't even like it was a season long like plotting yeah. thing. There's there's things from I think the the one thing I would say about first the he said maybe we could just have a parliament again and that was that. That would explain why she didn't turn on him, but it would not explain why Catherine was kidnapped. Um, yeah, yeah, but I don't. Maybe those are two separate things. They could be. Well, as as with as with Robert getting shot at and it and and you know the blackout happening, they could just be two events that happen near each other that yes, are completely exactly. unrelated. Yeah. Maybe Robert wanted to get Catherine and her baby out of the way because until he and Willow have a child of their own, he doesn't want Liam to have the heir to the throne. I have to also. Darren said something about how. Even when they did the big reveal, it mostly just covered the last two episodes prior to the reveal. Uh, I want to briefly go over a few storylines I remember from the beginning of the season that just didn't matter. So Liam romances that banker's daughter. Oh, yeah, that was a nothing. And you know it drove me insane because she was played by Lily Loveless. (laughs) That that storyline had no real point. Uh, She disappeared and never came back. Um... (laughs) Yeah, Jasper's- the appearance the appearance of Naomi Campbell was really weird because I was just like, wait there a second, I recognize that person. <laughs> and then and then it's like, like literally you nothing to be happened. Gay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, where is Emily in this? And I was like, oh, they killed her off in season seven. Oh, oh well. cancer. <laughs> As Cyrus would say, I have cancer. Jasper's father coming in and shooting him. I guess that was so he could be a knight and they and Eleanor could go public, but I still feel like that storyline, that's a very convoluted way to do that, and, and it didn't matter. He's still around in the finale, yeah. secret priest, with a gun in a book. Yeah, so that didn't make... Also, like, he seemed to be there to announce the fact that he's Jasper's dad, but then turn up seconds later and pretend to be Italian. But then everyone's like, oh, it doesn't matter, no one really cares about Duchy, she's poor. And <laughs> it's like, so you could have just been yourself. You could have just been an American. So fuck her. Here's the other thing about <laughs> yeah. him showing up at the end. I guess they pulled him in to be part... Jasper knew he was going to be there, he gave Jasper the gun. I guess they pulled him in to be part of this plan, right? Robert knows what Jasper's dad looks like. Like, they talked <laughs> without yeah. the fake pretense. He met him as Count Bellagio, like... The second he saw this priest in his face, who is clearly Jasper's dad, he'd be like, wait a second, why the fuck is this con man officiating my wedding? He wasn't, though, was he? I don't think he was the officiant, because he, he... But he was still there on the dais. Yeah, he, yeah, but, he, but he, he, he left. He left off to the cloisters as soon as he handed the gun over. He wasn't, he wasn't the, the, the priest that officiated. So mm. I, I mean, still think it was an I'll, unnecessary. I'll allow it, but watch yourself, Schwan. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was the one who uh, told uh, Robert. Why did he blackmailed Robert over to do something? I'm not really sure what it was. Not get in the way of Jasper's love life, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know because obviously, you know, uh, uh, you know, Robert goes and announces that Jasper is going to be knighted almost straight after that conversation, just so that you know his sister isn't dating a commoner. Yeah. Which, you know, sort of makes sense because obviously, as everyone knows from the the most recent couple of royal weddings, you know, you get granted a warrant on on your morning and you get made a you know count or something just so you can marry a prince. But I don't know; it just seems really weird because it's like I don't think that would be important until they were serious, like until they were engaged and getting married. Then you could knight him and say, "Oh, he's a knight." But like otherwise, it's like, well, 
it serves no purpose other than you know giving us the visual of a sword being put onto his shoulders by Robert. Yeah, you know, I, which would have been fun if he'd have just like put instead of knighting him, if he'd have just put the sword there and just hit him on the, just cut his head off and just been like, ah, you can't you can't go out with Eleanor now, like just like. Something interesting. Instead, he's just he just knights him. You're like, okay, I guess you know. And then they're just like passive aggressive with each other from there on out. Like, uh, bodyguard, could you go do your job instead of playing card games with us? And Jasper <laughs> runs outside to pout and stomp his feet. I don't know. It just seems weird because it's like if you've knighted him and you know he's dating Ella, just like he doesn't need a day job. Just like stop, stop with that whole thing. Like the reason he was a bodyguard was to get close to the royal family so he could steal those jewels. The point of him being a bodyguard, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. Like They act like he's a bodyguarding prodigy because he took a bullet for Robert, but ballistics prove that that bullet <laughs> was actually intended for Jasper all along. So he doesn't have, like, super bodyguard skills. And the thing is, as well, we've seen that James Hill is way more competent. So, so just stick with him. Like, why does... I don't understand, like, why Jasper still needs to be Robert's, like, head of security or whatever his... Well, he still let What's-Her-Name come in with a ton of LSD and poison willow, (laughs) even though he might have known she had snuck into the castle, so... His competency is some holes in it. Well, I mean, you know, the thing is as well, we, like, I don't want them to keep introducing more characters, but Willow should have had her own security. Like, if Eleanor's got her own security... that was wild! Who, by the way, that, uh, what's the name of, uh... Eleanor's guard, she really disappeared in the back half of the season. Yeah, she totally turned the boat around and became not a totally insufferable, I'm not like the other girls (laughs) character. And then once she was tolerable, they wrote her off the show. Like, they didn't even write her off. She just didn't show up. Well, you know what I mean. She hasn't been on. She should still be Eleanor's bodyguard, but she's just not around. Sarah Alice kind of disappeared in the second half, too. Yeah, the godchild Sarah Alice. Um... (laughs) She was busy weaving together the fates of the universe but on her loom. It's also worth noting other storylines that didn't matter. Like, frankly, Liam, Cyrus, and Robert, and Willow were involved in the main storyline that kind of mattered. And everybody else kind of just had fun, had antics on the side that kind of didn't matter. But especially Helena, who just slept with a few different dudes. <laughs> Like, that was her story for the season. Elizabeth Hurley, like I've said before, I think has the reverse of most actresses' nudity contracts where they won't do it, where she would like to be wearing lingerie in every scene. Or an extremely low-cut, tight, bandage dress that, like, the Kardashians would have worn in 2008. (laughs) But my favorite Helena moment, uh, Helena's quote-unquote storyline, was um, she had that relationship with was it a member of parliament that lasted two episodes and then he cried <laughs> and then he cried and that was it that was the end of I that i didn't love how colin kind of showed up and then you were both like oh not colin please not don't break up with colin we've had so many emotional times between <laughs> helena and colin i mean my assessment of helena's stories this season was did she have any i mean like i, I don't i don't count like her sexual relations as a storyline because it's like there's none of them like you know hiding with uh what's his face sebastian uh, yeah hiding sebastian from the rest of the family while they're having a sexual relationship that isn't a storyline that's like oh. it's not advancing anything it's just it came to nothing because eleanor was hurt but other than it's slightly dinging their relationship so what yeah and then and like and this the stuff with um you know 
like the the guy who was uh, you know trying to be prime minister like it that came to nothing because he didn't become prime minister like if he'd have become prime minister there would have been an interesting angle but it's like well he he quit parliament and cried and that was it it's like well what happened like that again that's not even a storyline because it you know I don't know. It's it's just really weird. It just felt like she did nothing all season. And then at the end, we had to believe that she was on top of everything the whole time. The show also really downplayed the fact that Robert apparently records all her sexual encounters and has film of them (laughs) on his computer, which was shown. Um, And also there's like another really weird one-off sexual blackmail thing in the finale where the way they're going to get all the people who are around that table with Robert like agreeing to be part of his plan to take over, they have blackmail on every single one of them. So Jasper is like, yes, I will take the generic blackmail and generically blackmail (laughs) these men. He's like, I'm back. The blackmail worked. They've been blackmailed. (laughs) They said, go ahead because of the blackmail. And it's just like it's very weird there's a lot of very weird stuff swimming around beneath the surface here i mean the the weirdest thing is like uh, uh, recording the the sexual encounter with uh with what's his face that would work as a story if helena is in on it if she's yeah. if she's in on the if she's in on the thing then it's it's fine because she's willingly taking part but if it's just him recording her it's his mom <laughs> yeah well does that but if it's just him recording her it's like, well, then, and she doesn't know. Well, then that's just a huge violation. And you're like, I don't, like, it, yeah. it achi- you know, it, achi- it achieves basically nothing. It's like... Classic royals, a non-consensual sexual situation, and they act like it's no big deal. Yes. Uh, what a surprise. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like, I mean, I feel like they did nothing with her all season until, like, the last episode and a half where, even then, she's, you know, she's not really part of the plot. It's just a convenience that she... You know, she happens to be played by an actress who, you know, like you say, seems to just enjoy walking around in underwear on set. And that seems to be the only trait that they've left Helena with now is, is that's what she enjoys is, it's you so know. The weirdest thing still to me in that last episode where she talks about when she uh, went to that Molly's game and got the blackmail on the <laughs> power company tycoon. And when she's recounting the story, she's like, he saw me in my underwear like she was scandalized by it. And I was like, Helena, you chose to take off your dress. Like there was that was an unnecessary move. You could have just said, check it out. I got a wire. But your your strategy instead was to completely remove your dress. So don't act like that was like a flaw in the plan. That was a feature, not a bug. This is a woman who, when her daughter walks in on her having sex and they need to have a conversation, doesn't even close her robe when she's wearing a robe <laughs> that she could just cover up with. She has no problem with everyone seeing her like that. It's so, it's just like, I have no problem with her being a sexually liberated uh, woman. And obviously, you know, like, she's a gorgeous lady she's nothing to be ashamed of but it just doesn't make sense to me that this woman who's supposed to be like the master of how to play these people against each other because i know all the etiquette and i'm so smooth would just like be in these very awkward situations yeah i I mean the, the weirdest the weirdest thing is i mean yes like you say um you know elizabeth hurley is absolutely gorgeous it's kind of ridiculous i don't know i feel like the show kind of looked out getting her as like the main star but then they have no idea what to do with her other than put yeah. her in underwear and the thing is as well no one comments on the fact that obviously you know her relationship with sebastian who is you know a person of color like th- that 
that relationship wouldn't go unmentioned. Like the fact that it's an older woman, a younger man, like all of that should there should be something there that someone should be saying something about it. There should be yeah, some kind of like... conflict. But it's like, oh, she's just got another toy boy who she's hiding in the the, 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 the like the exit, the, the secret exit. It's like someone should have it should have it should have stirred something up with somebody. But instead, yeah. it's just, you know, kind of just just there. It would have been like the Macrons of France, where it's an older woman and a younger man, which <laughs> totally scandalized people. Plus the Meghan and Harry element of having, you know, a black person being one half of the relationship with the royal family. Yeah. So I mean, the thing it, is, he's a he's a prince, so does that. Yeah. No, I'm not like saying like, oh, he's a filthy commoner. But I'm saying <laughs> I agree with you that it would have at least some cultural impact, maybe even for the positive. But if we just yeah. look to real world examples, I mean, and how the British that one British tabloid labeled Meghan Markle quote straight out of Compton and like wrote an article about how her ancestors were slaves. Then even if Sebastian is a prince, there's going to be some dog whistling going on. Yeah, no, this is it, and it's like like I, you would think putting those two together would like it would have been something interesting to have someone comment on that. And but instead, it's just like oh, she keeps hiding him in the closet, and isn't it funny because you know in one episode she's dressed up like a schoolgirl, and it's it's like it feels like the, the like the fact that they met at like an anonymous sex club yeah never goes mentioned again it's like <laughs> i forgot about that holy shit this is like all coming back to me now wow yeah, yeah. that's true it's, it's so it's such a like no one says how did like how did you like no one ever says how did you two meet it would have been funny if someone had said well how did this come about and they both lied but had slightly different yeah. lies but then we saw a flashback to them in the sex club because that would at least be kind of funny that they were trying to hide it. Flashback to the sex club and they wink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, it's like she's she's with this guy who's like 30 years younger than her and no one's saying anything about it. And it just kind of sits there. And it's like, I, you know, for, for Liz Hurley, I wish they'd have done something more with it. Like they have all these fake tabloids and stuff and everything else is kind of being covered like that would have leaked out. Someone would have said something. Like he c- he couldn't be back and forth to the palace completely anonymously. Like and that would have been interesting if that had managed to leak out, and then that would have caused some conflict between her and you know Robert, who maybe leaked it. And that would have like that would have given her reason to not trust him. Instead, she has to say, "Oh well, you know, when my other son walked in and said I don't trust Robert, that's when I started." It's like, why would you take Liam's word for anything at this point? Yeah, seriously, especially at this point. Well, I was going to say, uh, the show seems to delight in how detached from the actual reality of royal life slash anything about human life it is. But it's weird because it seems like as we go over this, we come on instance after instance where the show would be a lot more interesting if the characters were constrained by some of the rules of real life. But it's like in a world with no limits, nothing has any stakes. Yeah, I mean, they they do it when they feel like it's convenient. Like when they wanted to create false drama for Jasper and Eleanor last season... They were like, okay, we can't do this because of the tabloids. We have to be quiet. We have to be secret. And I'm actually glad they ditched that. I'm glad that Jasper and Eleanor just got to have a relationship and not brood and, like, constantly have false, uh, like, obstacles to their relationship. I think they work better that way. I was I was genuinely glad when Jasper was like, hey, Count Bellagio's my dad, instead of a fake bullshit 
like conflict where he hides it from her and it ends up with a big explosion and they break up or something. Yeah. But like so many of the other characters, even though uh, I do like there was more to enjoy in their storylines and uh, they had a little more to do than Helena. Ultimately, like this Robin Hood storyline and this <laughs> Jasper's dad storyline didn't fucking matter. I know. I was so excited because I thought that the Robin Hood storyline was going to be signaling that Eleanor was now becoming politically active or at least like really desiring not just to play around with philanthropy like she kind of has for the past three seasons but like to really step up into to feel motivated to step up into a leadership role where she can help people but I think I just need to let that dream die on the vine because the show loves Liam so much even though he is such an insufferable whiny character they will just not be happy until Liam has everything he wants including his ass firmly planted on the throne yeah I did I that whole Robin Hood thing was so weird because like you know uh, Eleanor kind of realizes it's something she wants to do like as she's given away that one thing to the the cat lady um and then after that we kind of we, the only the next kind of thing we get is the whole thing with the pen also uh Shannon might object to the phrase cat lady if previous podcast <laughs> episode is an indi- any indication she has one cat <laughs> and she's a lady and that's all we know about her we don't know anything else we've never given a name but yes yeah, so, and then obviously we got the whole you know hilarious going to get the pen back thing but then otherwise it's like well what was the point of like it it never hygiene you know even when she loses it, like when the leak happens, uh, it's, I guess, theoretically, so this is where these two dovetail, kind of. Sebastian tells Robert that, um, whatever, the, that this Robin Hood thing's going on, right? And then Robert leaks it to the press, and she has to stop. But even when she finds out about that, she doesn't mind that much. No. Like, she's over it pretty quick. It's not what turns her on Robert. That would make sense. If it was something she cared about deeply and she was doing it and then she found out that Robert was the one who leaked it to the press and made her stop, that's a way better motivation for her to be like, Robert is controlling and bad than, oh, yeah. plagiarized my letter? <laughs> that could be like, he doesn't care about helping people. If he just cared about helping people, he would have let me give these valuables to the poor, you know, etc. But uh, to pivot slightly, because we're... Coming up towards where we should be getting towards the end of our time before Zach and I absolutely melt, I wanted to devote a little bit of time, um, because we've talked so much about, I think especially Eleanor's arc on the main, main podcast episodes, who were some minor characters that you guys felt really shown this season, or I guess alternately, who were some minor characters you felt were underutilized? I mean, I think we can both agree uh, we wanted to see more of the uh, Crown Prince of Liechtenstein. Um, you know, he was completely uh, underused. <laughs> it was painful how they shoehorned in that like emotional wannabe touching scene with him, where he told her she was the mother of England and then called her mom, and we're supposed to be like. Because it's Elizabeth Hurley's son. See, now, I think I'm going to disappoint both of you when I say, as I was watching that episode and he did say, I love you, mom, I did start to cry a little bit because I was like, that oh, is quite, tu- well, that's, it's quite I mean, touching. I'm that- extremely emotional, so I get <laughs> it's it. It's quite touching that they managed to put that on film. I was just like, it, it was a roundabout way to get to it, but it was like a, a, a kind of a touching moment for him to kind of just be able to say that to his own mother. I'm sure I would have appreciated it more under other circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Um 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, who's a minor? I mean, I'm struggling to think of any of the minor characters here, Zach. Tell I, me I someone. Think I think I have a few. I will say, to start out, we talked about him already. Sebastian got more screen time than I thought he would. It wasn't how I would have wanted his screen time to go, necessarily. But he was used a lot more than I expected. At the end of season three, I wasn't sure if we'd ever see him again. And we kept saying, like, this is his last episode. <laughs> He's off the show. And then he would come right back. Um... People who didn't get a lot to do, uh, we also touched on this, Rosie just disappeared. That was so disappointing. She was really fun this season. Uh, I wish, like last season, I wish James Hill had been more of a constant presence because he's one of the better actors on this show. And one of the few competent slash sane characters. Yeah. Uh, they basically, they they milked all of Sarah Alice's cuteness last season, I guess, because she was barely in it this time. She showed up for one or two brief appearances and then gone, uh, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Like, there's not a lot of function for Sarah Alice in this plot. Uh, but. yeah, I don't know. If if we could have gotten more James, I would have taken more Sarah Alice in the bargain. I'll say that. I would have happily sat with a little more Sarah Alice for a significant more uh, James and less of Helena's love interests who are Except for Sebastian, not interesting at all. I would have rather had some of the tertiary palace characters. Like, when I think about what I really liked about season one, I liked having characters like the twin cousins, Gemma, Aishok, Rachel, Lucius. It was nice to have these uh, minor characters, Marcus, who came back episode after episode and made these more major characters actually feel grounded in a world now it's like most minor characters are so ephemeral and so interchangeable that they don't even feel real and it's like these main characters are just floating through life with just each other yeah Um, i mean willow was like the only one who really successfully made the jump from minor minor to major major, yeah i i I guess I'd also, uh, in the column of people I didn't expect to see again, who I was kind of glad to see again, although this season, as we had mentioned over the course of the show, brought back a lot of people in very brief parts that I didn't expect to see again. Um, But the fact that Dutchie came back, even though she did almost nothing. She's fun. (laughs) And Joan Collins is just so great. Yes. But it was fun to see her, even though she, she just, she was only there to... To clarify, she didn't actually murder somebody, but yeah, you kind of did still. <laughs> I did. She didn't mean to murder them somehow. No one's buying what you're selling, Dutchie. I don't know why they had to add that redemptive bit to Dutchie, because it's like, why you need to redeem Dutchie? She's barely in the show. <laughs> they won't let anyone be a villain. They won't let anyone be a villain. It's like they think it's an insult on their show if a character were actually bad. It's like they think making every bad guy a good guy is nuanced and a three-dimensional character. The closest it's come to working, (laughs) this thing where an evil character turns around, to me, is probably with Cyrus because they actually spent a little bit more time on it than one episode Helen is evil and the next episode Helen is not evil. And also... No offense to Elizabeth Hurley, Jake Mascal is a much better actor than her. Yeah. So part of Cyrus successfully being able to kind of grow as a character is an evolution of choices that he makes as a performer. Yeah. I think I think uh, Rocky Marshall uh, over here has been on Emmerdale recently, and I think that's probably what kept him from being on the Royals a bit more. 
But yeah, I mean, I you know, like James Hill is always great when he appears. And I, I think I like that they kind of, in the finale, they gave him that fight where he ends up winning and like, you know, knocking that guy out. And like, I, I think for each, when they brought back each of the minor characters this season, they at least seemed to give them like something to do. Like Dutchie coming back and saying, I wasn't really a murderer. At least that's like something, like at least that's kind of a reason to have her back. You know, having Sarah Alice pop up uh, and having her move the calendar on, like I like that. <laughs> it's like a, it's a little gimmicky, but it's like well, like at least we understand Sarah Alice would be the kind of person who would want to know when Eleanor's coming back and would be counting down the days. Like little touches like yeah. that kind of made sense for some of the minor characters. Um, but yeah, but then like Sebastian, like yeah, you both kept saying, "Oh well, that's the end of Sebastian," and then he just kept coming back. And it's like I don't know why they didn't just make him a main character and kind of integrate him, like in a better way. Yeah, and like let him have some traits besides respectful. Yeah, it just it just seems it seemed like such a weird like kind of thing for them to treat him that way. It's like you know they, they, they like uh, he's meant to be like the, the king's only friend. You know, like make more of that. Like if he's if he's the one talking to to Robert about stuff that's not just how Robert can take over the country. Like have him be more, have him talk like the way that you used to have with Ashok. Used to talk to the others. You know, like oh, I was just gonna say the way Robert used to be with Beck. Well, yeah, but we we don't want Beck back, back, do we, sir? <laughs> no, no, no. But Beck and him had a falling out, so that wouldn't happen yeah, anyway. But, but you um, know, like just have him be more of a friend, and that that then the fact that he's also having sex with the king's mother is becomes a separate thing then like it's you know yeah now it has consequences now it has emotional weight otherwise it's just like the fact that they decided to have Catherine like come back was such a weird kind of move because it's like i i personally thought that they'd done as much as they needed to do with Catherine last year but i guess Liam's gotta have a girlfriend, so, so she's she's the one. I really, I mean, <laughs> we were all shocked. We were all a little surprised. I think that they didn't go the Willow love triangle route, and instead, Catherine is the love of his life, and apparently is now pregnant with his child. Uh, I will say, just as one more thing about minor characters, it was nice to see Angie, even though she truly had nothing to do. <laughs> she was in one She's scene, yeah. so delightful that it was just like, oh god, come back! Well, the act- like, Be like, a character! Like so many appearances in this show, it was just an actress who came back for one scene just to come back. Like that reporter that never dresses appropriately <laughs> came back for one scene. Yeah. Harper, I want to say? Yeah, I think that's That was unbelievable. Right. She is my arch nemesis. <laughs> Not just of the podcast, of life. Yeah, and then they, they, of course, you know, they have the the walking plot element that is Boone just popping up to to say stuff in a a manly voice. He is like a serial killer. I think that's going to be the reveal (laughs) at the end of season five, if there is one. He's so eager to kill and torture, and it seems to mean nothing to him. He's like, yeah, I tried to kill this guy before. I might as well do it again. (laughs) I'm Boone. I'm dead inside. What did he do at the end during the plot at the wedding? Did he show up? He supplied information, didn't he? I mean, like that was. But he also had a big ass machine gun and was like, "I'm ready to mow down the entire crowd if Robert doesn't give up the throne." And they also brought back, of course, for one scene. Though this one looks like we'll have an actual point going forward, if there is a forward. Violet comes back at the end. Yeah, talk about being an unexpected guest appearance. That was like a real like. <laughs> triple take moment yeah although you know again like this show which 
probably is part of the sabotage of their plan. I would have to imagine that she is somehow roped into that Lucius sabotage. Lucius himself, of course, being somebody who we haven't seen in a long yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, that like, they have yeah. enough bitter ex-employees that they can kind of get together and form, like, you know, their own kind of band of supervillains if they want. The problem is that the show dispenses of these characters and brings them back so casually and at times with so little pomp and circumstance that someone like my mom, who is a very smart lady and has watched every episode of The Royals, had no idea who Lucius was when he turned up in the back of the limousine. And honestly, can you blame her? Because he hasn't been around in so long. Like, how are we supposed to remember every old white man's face (laughs) on this show? There are so many of them. And they're all wearing suits. They're all wearing suits, you know? So this was just like another interchangeable, like grumpy old man as far as she was concerned. Yeah, that I mean, I gotta admit, it took me a couple of seconds before I was like, "Wait, there was was that Lucius?" Like it being so long. Yeah, yeah. It, it was very like they they expect us, the viewers, to do so much work, even though this show drops things with continuity all the time. Like another example of that uh, that has no plot bearing. And speaking of someone who is not an old white man. They brought back Rachel, but did she do anything? She was in one episode. Was she the one who took she took Helena to the, the sex, sex club, club, and then she was gone again? Yeah, I would like have that loved was all she did all season. Maybe Rachel could have been a part of. She could have been on Robert's side, maybe, and part of a been a, like a sneaky part of a counterplot against them. Like these are characters who have personality traits that you can do <laughs> stuff with, but the the show just lets them lie fallow. Yeah. you know. I, I I think the thing is, you know, like you said, the show drops like in the entire of like season two with the whole Domino thing. There were so many characters that were introduced, like minor characters. And then pretty much all of them dropped by the end of the season. That if anyone from the Domino uh, conspiracy had returned, I would literally be going, I don't know who this person is. Like, Well, they had, they immediately at the beginning of the third season, they killed the last guy well, from yeah. the Domino, except for Domino Jr., who never showed up again. Oh, yeah. And Cyrus will still make like nasty jokes about dumping Jeffrey's body <laughs> in the river. Uh, but I was going to say Dominique Jr., Catherine, and Greta are completely interchangeable. (laughs) They are a little bit, yeah. They look the same. They look like they'd be playing sisters. And in terms of personality traits, they are all just like caught up in other people's plots and schemes, but they are so tearful and like easily laid low by things others do to them. It's just really, yeah, I'm ready. At least if Catherine is sticking around, we won't get any more of these type of women, hopefully. Well, I'm going to go ahead and jump into... I'll start with a few things I liked. A few high points of the season that I just thought were moments that uh, worked. For the most... I actually... When they initially did the the reveal... Not when they did the winking montage, but when they first did the reveal that Jasper and... Or uh, that uh, Liam and Cyrus had been working together, that they had coordinated the, the fight at the the cabal and uh just to get liam in robert's good graces i was like this is a good (laughs) twist and i didn't see it coming and i was genuinely i enjoyed that moment as far as full episodes go i think the dinner episode was the strongest 
And I guess I didn't see the blackout that resulted in him just grabbing all the power coming. I think that that's, that's the outline of a good idea for a plot. Like there is, they didn't execute it well, but the idea that he's power mad and he caused this catastrophe is not in and of itself a bad idea. And neither is the idea that Liam has weaseled his way into the good graces through a long sting operation with Cyrus. I think both those are good ideas that maybe they didn't handle all the way well. Uh, I agree with that. That was definitely some stuff I liked. As I talked about before, I feel like they utilized the hole in Cyrus's door so well this <laughs> season. Like They found lots of fun things to do with that as a set piece. And I was also going to say, before it was revealed that she was in on the plan, when it seemed like Robert had tricked Catherine into being seduced by him in front of Liam, I was like genuinely like, that was a very like gasp-worthy, exciting ending of that episode. And um, in terms of stuff on the lighter side, I think of all the Robin Hood stuff, I actually did enjoy um, Jasper and Eleanor breaking into the house to get the pen back and hiding in the closet, in part because the actors who played this average couple were so charming. The way the woman yelled, who else is in there after they both came out? And they didn't didn't get that Harry Potter joke that was begging to be made. (laughs) But it was so cute and funny. So, like, that really had its moments for me. It's nice when the characters can interact with people like humans instead of being like, Cancer girl, let's throw a prom for you at the hospital. Oh, yeah, I yeah, that happened. That, I mean, I, the thing is, I liked I liked the um, when Jasper got shot because I thought that was, like, a really good, like, moment because you're like, Maybe they're going to kill him off. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the problem. But then obviously a lot of they times... were never going to do that. But it was a, like it was a really good kind of like shocking ending. And even when um, Robert counts down to the blackout happening, I thought that was a funny, like, like interesting bit because it's like it came out of nowhere. Like literally up until like 59 minutes into that episode, all of a sudden he looks out at London and goes... Four, three, two, one, blackout, and it just happens, and you're like, "What?" And it, and like stuff like that, I always, I always find quite funny in this show where it'll just literally, you're like, I mean, I, it, I, I, I think the stuff with Jasper getting shot was funny because all throughout the episode, it was like. South London's a bit dangerous these days. I wouldn't go to South London. And then somebody else going South London. I wouldn't go there if I were you. And then just like all this build up, and then you knew that Jasper was going to be the one who got shot because, you know, um, Robert is like, well, I hope my bodyguard's coming along to South London. And it's just like, all that stuff is really funny. But then later when the reveal is like, oh, it was never meant for the king. Like, well, what was it with all that South London stuff then? I don't know. I, I just found some of that stuff to be quite funny. I just, I kind of like that. that oh, I agree. Yeah, that, that Jasper thing. It's just that the afterwards for it, where everything after he got shot was such a ridiculous... Eleanor laying on his bullet-wounded <laughs> yeah. chest. That drove us fine. crazy. His father did it and did it so perfectly that he missed the heart by two inches and he did it so he could be knighted and they found out by ballist. Everything about that plot except for him getting the initial moment of him getting shot was terrible. But I was going to say the initial moment of him getting shot... They do a bird's eye shot from above that looks very cool. And that's the thing about the royals. Even when the plot is garbage, it is a weirdly beautifully shot show. Just following the blackout, I was thinking about this. 
the scenes of Eleanor Willow and Sarah Alice leading the commoners through the tunnel that they've covered in like the glow stick bracelets looks so cool like there are times moments that really really work because it looks great and it has like visual interest to it that was something i found really charming silas had that really good suit this season oh (laughs) yes his pink velvet suit with the black and silver like floral brocade collar look out for viewers when you do your second and third watch (laughs) of this season because it is very good it has a matching cravat and everything well I feel like... Okay, so I guess it just remains for us to figure out where we think Season 4 falls in the Pantheon of Royal Seasons. So far, um, I guess I will begin by saying that uh, I would rank it as the third best following behind the first season and the third season, but ahead of season two. Uh, I think that season one remains the best because it is the most fun, while the political stuff has become the highlight of the later seasons in a lot of ways. The the series before that was a major concern had a sense of fun and levity that it never quite got back, I guess. And uh, the zaniness of the first season perhaps has never quite been matched for all of its uh, many flaws. Um, I think season three and season four are of a piece because they're both kind of the Robert saga. And I just think that season three is probably a little more fun. And I think the mystery of is Robert evil felt... Or what Robert's deal is, I guess, even, uh, was a little more surprising in the end. And I think worked a little better than this, where I didn't know what they were trying to do all season. And then season two is just, I feel like, a little... So much of it is so inconsequential. The main storyline, the Domino storyline, is pointless. Uh, The Ted thing mattered, but didn't take up nearly as much time as the domino stuff, I feel like. At least that's the case in my memory. So it felt like it was a meandering, wasted season. And uh, it even squandered a lot of the promise of what King Cyrus would be like, I feel like. So ultimately, um, yeah, that that is how I would rank the seasons. Yeah, I think I have to go with uh, the same rankings. It's pretty clear that season one is the standout. It's the most coherent. Like, the whole season holds together kind of as one paced out story for the most part. Uh, And it's definitely the most fun. I agree that season three and four are, yeah, like, they totally are paired together. But I think season three is better because season three still has some of the big, fun set pieces that we loved about season one. Like, obviously, for me, the standout episode of season three was the boxing match episode. And that's a great example of the type of Royals episode I love where there's like a big, silly event that would never happen in real life, but it makes for great entertainment. Uh, and season four was kind of lacking in that, but still developed some of the Robert stuff, which was 
at times interesting. It had I it had parts of it that I liked. Uh, I think it worked better in season three when it was almost like a telenovela storyline. And season two comes in dead last, no contest, because I feel pretty confident saying that besides any storylines involving sexual assault. The Domino storyline is the worst storyline the Royals has ever done. To the degree that when they came back for season three, they immediately killed off Jeff Domino because I think even the writers were like, this was a real stinker of a storyline. The only redeeming quality that storyline had was the inclusion of Joan Collins as a recurring guest star because that was very much duchy's bread and butter but i think that that character even works so much better when she can kind of be on the sidelines drink in hand delivering pithy quips more so than trying to like move actual parts of the plot yeah Yeah. uh so darren i know you liked season four better than us how do these rank for you I certainly agree that the first season remains the best season, and season two is certainly the worst season. I think all of the Domino stuff, you know, it, it amounted to nothing in the end. You know, season one set it up with the, the flaming symbol, um, and it just never, it just never paid it off in a way that felt satisfactory. Uh, you know, we ended up with with ten episodes that that basically delivered nothing. Um, I don't think there's anything from season two aside from Ted Price's death that you know still had any impact after the end of, uh, you know, the end of that season. Um, and I think maybe, uh, you know, the kind of the formation of what Robbie was going to be in season three is maybe a bit of a stronger story than season four. But I, I feel like, you know, I just enjoyed season four a little more. Season three, I think, had more kind of standout episodes, like Shannon says, you know, with the boxing episode, stuff like that, um, you know, which, of course, also introduced us to Sebastian. Um, but I, f- I feel like, you know, season four has been a little kind of wackier and we've had stuff like, you know, uh, the shooting and the blackout and, you know, the wedding and you know, which had, you know, the, the mother of the, the bride fighting the mother of the groom and, you know, all kinds of weird things like that. And I, I just I just think that overall season four, you know, once it kind of got going, felt a little bit more focused. Um, you know, and I mean, it's not as if really season three did better with Eleanor, but it just feels like the relationship between Eleanor and Jasper, you know, they haven't been breaking up and get back together and breaking up and get back together as they had done for the previous like 30 episodes. We've actually had them in a, a relatively stable relationship. And I feel that kind of maybe gives season four, you know, the edge over season three for me. Let's close out on a few things that if there is a season five, we might expect to see next season. Um, will Robert actually be evil? Will he reinstate Parliament to get in Willow's good graces? Who hired Lucius? What's Violet's deal? I was going to say, we don't even know that Catherine and her baby w- will ever show up again. That's true. Babies do tend to disappear <laughs> on this show. and her baby were just like, boop. I mean, the baby would, what, what would the baby be? Be f- fourth in line, something like that? Third in line? And you know they're going to name that little asshole Simon. Well, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, I don't know if you... Wait, wasn't Cyrus's baby named Simon? Was it? I think it was. I, d- 
oh, well, then they're going to have a girl and name it something else. Simone. Like Helenor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know if you realize this, but um, King Robert's middle name is Simon as well. So That's not really surprising, though, because uh, Prince Louis's name is George's middle name, right? Isn't G- Prince George George Louis? And now his little brother is just Lewis. Yeah, that's that's how they tend to do naming in royal circles. Is you just have a you just yeah, have a string exactly. of you names. You get a lot of double yeah. ofs. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I like I would like to think that Liam would be able to kind of you know with with Catherine missing, I would like to think that in season five he would be able to like if they if they're gonna come back with her missing, you know, have her miss have her be missing for like three or four episodes, like really. Like, have Liam worried about her whereabouts and kind of, you know, give him a motivation to try and find out who did it. Find out it was Robert and then take Robert down. like he... Or whoever it was. Yeah, we barely even got a mention of Violet, let alone Prudence this season. <laughs> like, when Violet showed up at the end, I was, that's part of the reason I was so totally stunned. It seemed like she wasn't even on their radar anymore. They mentioned her. There was a there was an episode earlier where he talked about losing Violet and how it was like the hardest thing he'd ever gone through. Yeah, but that was one. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, you basically if you rem- if like the end of the episode you have um uh you know, Sir Jasper standing with a gun in his pocket and with one bullet in it. <laughs> so, if they open up with season 5 and they're still in the, in that wedding chapel, then you know, what's he going to do with that gun? Like, that was still something that was left, you know, and as, as as we know with Chekhov's gun. I don't think they will open up in the wedding chapel. I think that's such an expensive scene to shoot. I think it'll be after the wedding. Based on what Liam was saying, Jasper had to have a gun because they thought Robert was going to go into, like, a psycho <laughs> rage and snap Willow's neck as soon as she started talking. Yeah, and he's not going to fire on her if Willow doesn't reveal... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's, like, he's still got the gun. It doesn't necessarily have to be him shooting someone. It could be his dad, like, grabbing the gun and shooting Robert or, like... The, the gun is in the chapel with one bullet in. It feels like they left that there for His a reason. His dad is too self-serving, though. And I, I truly don't think they're going to recreate that scene at the beginning of Five. I don't think they can do it. Because it's it would, that would cost a boatload of money. I think they'll just go, skip to after the wedding. I mean, I think that was a location at Blenheim Palace anyway. So if they've got Blenheim Palace, then... It wouldn't be too expensive for them to, but I don't know. I I just I feel I like we'll I feel see. like they left it. They left that gu- like there's a number of things like you said which are left in the air, and that that gun is still there. So it feels like if they came back and you know it just opens with Jasper going, well, thank God I didn't need to use this gun and just throwing it to one side. It no, would be a I waste. understand that, but this is the Royals. This isn't a show that picks up loose threads <laughs> and does things with them. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think the big. I think the things that are still unclear to me are. How evil will Robert be? Like, is he going to actually try and be a good guy for Willow? What's Willow's motivation? Yeah. yeah. Um, and who leaked about the coup and or kidnapped Cat got Lucius to kidnap Catherine? Or, and also what Violet's aim or game is. Is she part of this anti-coup group trying to manipulate Cyrus? Possibly. I mean, it feels like um, that, that could just be another coincidence again. <laughs> like... like why did yeah. she walk through the chapel just so that you know um, that Cyrus would see her and then follow her? Like, like it seems like such a, a weird kind of like gambit to be like, oh, while while this is going on, make sure you catch Cyrus's eye and then walk up so he follows you. Like, it it just seems to I don't know. It just seems to be such a weird kind of thing. It, I don't know. It just seems like they wanted to leave Cyrus 
in the air with something and they decided that he would go outside and see Violet and that was how it ends. And Well, uh, if Zach and I die of heat stroke, there definitely won't be any more episodes <laughs> of Stage of Fools. So I think this is where we're going to wrap it up for now. And one way or another, this definitely isn't goodbye to your listeners. You'll be hearing from us again whether you like it or not. Uh, Darren, thank you so much for joining us today, but more importantly, for being our intrepid producer and for making all of this happen. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Uh, So, uh, thanks again to Darren, and I think with that, we're going to say goodbye. Did we make a bullshit sign-off last time? Did you say I tried something? doing Helena's Walk Away, but on an audio <laughs> medium, I don't know how well it works. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't... Uh, a gong sound effect? I'm not sure what the best um, farewell is. All right, listeners, I think that's going to do it for us until we get news of what the future of this show is. If it comes back, we'll certainly post about it on our social media pages, but we probably won't do a new episode until the show actually returns. If it's canceled, we'll see you for the series wrap-up, probably within a couple of months and now, I would imagine. All right, everybody. I've been Zach Powers. I've been Shannon Camp. Goodbye. Walk FML. away. <laughs> no, we ruined it again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>